Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and I'm still summarizing for you one year's worth of incredible water insights from the 52 experts that appeared on this microphone in 2021. I'm coming back today to a topic we widely explored during the first season of this podcast, the digitization of the water industry. Actually, I've even assembled a synthesis by season one, episode 15, called How to Cleverly Embrace the Digital Craze in the Water Industry. The link is, of course, in the description. So today, I wanted to light this topic from a new angle. The new frontiers in water digitization, one of them being the way we acquire our data and what may be coming soon, according to Megan Glover. I'm, as an innovator, personally excited for the day when we can connect to real-time sensors to bring that data in because for us a result is a result is a result and the faster our customers in the market get those results the easier that they can make real-time decisions now that may well be the future but luke butler brings us a bit down on earth when it comes to the present every utility that i've ever met has some type of hydraulic model the question is more is how they're using it today do they use it every day is it core of their operation or something they pull out every five years to ask you know, a couple of questions, then put on the shelf. Actually, as Brian Moloney explains, there's a certain disconnect between the level of technology generally available and what's at use in the water sector. I got my first iPhone and I couldn't understand how there could be so much technology in this little device and then our infrastructure, which is the thing that protects us against these real environmental catastrophes, is so reactive. Literally everything in the stormwater and the drainage networks in Australia and every country in the world was the same at this time, was reactive. We could laugh at it and be happy to be a low-tech industry. I've had the discussion in the past with specialists that find the risk-benefit balance actually pretty unbalanced on the side of the risks. If you follow the news, you probably heard of the drinking water treatment plant in Texas that got hacked so that the level of sodium hydroxide was multiplied by 100 in early 2021. The incident was detected before the water exited the plant, so it's more of a warning call than a disaster. Yet, some think this is just a one that got publicized and that hacks must be happening more often than that. If you ask me, this is speculation. And if cybersecurity risks do exist, the missed opportunities are also not to be undervalued, an opinion shared by Luke Butler. I see hydraulic models having so much more potential than just being something that's you know pulled out every five years to write up a big plan you know, on where you want to build your infrastructure. Luke talks of hydraulic modeling, but I'd extend the potential to an entire set of tools ranging from machine learning to geographical information systems through AI. I've prophetized that 2022 will see the first AI-operated wastewater treatment plant, and I stand my point. I'm nothing of a futurologist, but I firmly believe that technology is mature enough for our sector to give it a chance, which would open quite a lot of new frontiers when it comes to distributed treatments. Yet, all of that is pure conjecture, as long as we don't solve a basic issue underlined by Megan Glover. Bad data in, bad data out, right? No data insights, no improved workflow. Data is the name of the game. And in most cases, it's less about gathering it than it is about making it available to its best point of use. The data itself isn't locked into a single platform that the, the users can choose what they want to do with their own data. And if that's to consume it in their own applications or work with others, we want to be able to support that. Now, the system Luke Butler describes is honestly more of an exception today in our sector. 
we are building more silos than open data lakes, which can be surprising for a newcomer like Mina Sankaran. It was so shocking to me being a newbie in water was how black box and closed off these ecosystems are in water. So if we want digitization to stand a chance in the future, we need to open up, which in turn creates a whole new world of collaboration. I think that the industry is at its best when everyone is sharing what they do. People in industry really seem to enjoy this different approach where you are openly sharing what you did. Isn't that counterintuitive? How can it be positive for you to share your data with your industry neighbors and who knows, competitors? I could be explaining, but Navkaran Singh Bhaga does that much better. The question that I was asked is, are you proprietary? Are you going to protect this? And my idea was the more players we can invite to come into the space, the more we can get the movement going. So I would you know, look at getting more people into the space and better the tech so it can become conventional tech. Water is a space which is unlimited even from a market perspective, so there cannot ever be too many players. In a future that's a bit less black box and a bit more open, digitization may become integral to the water industry. And without overusing the big words, that may sound like a disruption for today's water professionals, as Adam Tank underlines. I jokingly refer to myself as an engineering therapist because many engineers, when they come to grips with the fact that software can actually do quite a bit of what they've done for 10, 20, 30, 40 years of their career. Things like playing around in Excel spreadsheets or drafting PNIDs or creating BIM models of buildings. Software is really good at doing that stuff. So I help them overcome sort of this existential crisis of what happens to my job if software starts to automate a lot of that boring work that I'm doing. Again, that's a fear I can understand. If digitization develops, machines and algorithms will take over some human tasks. I could answer by quoting Imre Takax on that microphone who stated that a model will never grease a pump. But beyond that, the World Economic Forum predicted that by 2025, technology would create at least 12 million more jobs than it will destroy. Yet, as you imagine, this is a balance, not a pure creation. Jobs will be disrupted and more will be created. So to embrace digitization, we will all also have to embrace agility and accept that a 40-year pre-written trajectory no longer exists. We will probably have to upskill, but according to economists' projections, there's a reward associated with this learning investment we have to commit. Wages shall raise by an estimated 10 to 15%. In conclusion, will digitization see a big boom in 2022? Will we see water NFTs? Shall you become a blockchain expert? Hey, I warned you, I'm not a futurologist. I don't have all the answers. But what I know for sure is that we shall be more open to it as an industry. Don't you think so? Did you like this deep dive? Then tell it to your friends and colleagues and share that episode. Digitization of the water sector is and will still be a hot topic we shall monitor, follow and who knows, embrace. So if you value your fellow water professionals, make sure to push them the message. If you'd like to further explore the topic, listen to my full interviews with each of the experts featured in this synthesis. All the links are, of course, in the description. And if you haven't done it yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so that you don't miss the next leg in our journey, which will be quite a heavy and important one, water entrepreneurship. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.